AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From grandmothers who whispered in their baby girl ear, to fathers on dimly lit street corners instructing young soldiers to always keep their eyes open, you be queen, you were fire. You were passed through centuries on the hands of your daughters. They called you wisdom. Proverbs. On the backs of diamond-eyed schoolchildren who grew into hymnals recited by amethyst-holding urban philosophers who recited neighborhood commandments out of the windows of restored El Camino chariots to keep the warmth in their blood. Be wise. Be smart. Be black opal, brown quartz, bloodstone, and prayer. Be every form of gem. King told scribe, scribe told son, son told wife, wife told her daughter, and daughter told the ancestors, and the ancestors told me that you would come to give wisdom to thousands. They said you would come, dropping gem, dropping gem. Hey, welcome back to the Dropping Gems podcast. I'm Debbie Brown. This is my show. (laughs) This is a safe space and a sacred container where I love to explore higher consciousness, uh, but for real life. And I like to make it as applicable as possible to your day-to-day life and use, um, but also explore many of the things that interest me. So this is a show for those that enjoy the logical, the rational, the esoteric, the ethereal, and also for those that are ready to do some of the deeper work. So thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your ears. Thank you for your listening. And thank you for your time and being with me on this show. I want to say a big thank you to everybody that has reached out, uh, wishing me a happy birthday. I celebrated my birthday recently and it was so beautiful. I think I actually need to do a whole show about it. I decided to turn my birthday into a healing retreat in my backyard. (laughs) 
And, um, you know, my birthday kind of coincided along with Los Angeles opening back up. And I know a lot of the world opening back up. And I think so many of us are really trying to figure out how do I want to occupy space? What do I want to do in this new normal now that we've all kind of been given the freedom and some of the uh, opportunity to perhaps restructure our lives and restructure our friend groups and restructure how much we want to give of ourselves. So I had a really beautiful evening. Um, actually, now on second thought, I think it will definitely turn this into an entire episode. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but one of the one of the beautiful people that was at my party is actually my guest today. So I'm going to get into that in just a second. Uh, first, because I always forget to do this, and I don't know why I don't talk about this more, but I wanted to make sure that for those that are interested in meditating with me, I lead meditations Monday through Friday on the Chopra app. So you can join me there. It's in the iOS store. I think we'll be live on Android phones very soon, like very, very soon. But all you do is search Chopra, C-H-O-P-R-A. And it's such a gorgeous app. It, of course, is based on the life's practice of Deepak Chopra. And it's by Chopra Global. And um, on there, you can find meditations from Deepak. And you can find the beautiful new 21-day meditation series we launched at the company with Deepak and Alicia Keys, which is so incredible. And then you can get daily meditation with me. And the daily meditations that I lead really run the gambit from all kinds of healing work that we can do, um, building spiritual confidence, unlocking your highest purpose and vision for your life, um, also just relaxing. And there's also meditations for anxiety and for sleep. There's meditations for children that I've done on there. So if any of that sounds yummy and feels like it resonates, then download the app, Chopra app, and you can find me on there real easy. Okay, today's show. Let's do it. I am so excited to share this utterly epic human being with you. Saw is one of the most phenomenal friendships that I have made in the pandemic, and I'm never letting him go. So, <laughs> Saadi Simone is the guest today. I know there are so many listening that absolutely adore his incredible, powerful work and the really fun and beautiful ways that he shares all of his depth on his Instagram, on his TikTok, on his TikTok within his community, Spiritually Sassy, or through his books. Sadi Simone is a spiritual guide, a meditation teacher, an international transformational speaker, a best-selling author, and creator of The Saw Method, who has dedicated his life to helping others to live in alignment and achieve their highest potential. He is pioneering a spiritually sassy, heart-based healing movement rooted in science-backed, tried-and-true techniques in which joy and authenticity illuminate the path to enlightenment. His infectious enthusiasm for healing is grounded in a masterful and revolutionary synthesis of ancient tantric Buddhism, modern contemplative psychotherapy, meditation, breathwork, and integrative nutrition, all delivered in his own radiant, approachable, and playful style. His teachings have helped enrich the lives of millions of people and inspire a new generation of changemakers. Deepak Chopra has called Sa a radical spiritual guide, igniting connections among his generation. 
Saw has worked with Google, MoMA, Havas, UNICEF, and American Express, among others, and is a TEDx speaker. He's been featured on BuzzFeed, Vice, USA Today, Refiner29, just to name a few. And his first book, Five Minute Daily Meditations, was called A Year-Long Personal Retreat of Daily Meditations by Sharon Salzberg. And his second book, Spiritually Sassy, Eight Radical Steps to Activate Your Innate Superpowers, is out now. Check out his membership platform, Spiritually Sassy School. We'll dive into this in a bit. And his top-rated podcast, The Spiritually Sassy Show. And find us on Instagram and TikTok at Saudi Simone. Here's my dear friend, one of the, my favorite humans that has ever lived. Welcome to the show, Sa. Welcome to the show. One of my favorite, favorite human beings that have ever existed in this lifetime. Favorite souls that has ever existed in all the realms, my dear friend, Sadi Simone. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, my queen, my darling. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank God for you. And the feeling is mutual. (sighs) Thank you. I love you. I love you. And I want to start the show there. I love you. I think you are such a powerful spiritual teacher and just such a kind soul. Um, and I think a piece of you, like you are so powerful in so many ways. And I think the way that you share yourself with your audience is you like in your full power, which gives this humongous, gorgeous permission to anyone that connects with your work to dive deeper and to really see themselves. And something I love is that you are that power, but you also have like such a tenderness and thoughtfulness about you. Like you are so deeply connected, um, I think, to the people in your lives in a way that feels really special. So I just want to start with that. (laughs) That is so sweet. Thank you, babe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, years in the making, you know, years in the making. It wasn't always, um, someone said to me, Sa, you are, are so effortless. But I, my response to that, it's taken, a, it's taken a lot of effort to be effortless, you know. Mm-hmm. And just remembering that, that it does take a lot. Like being present is effortless when we are present, right? But when we are so um, discombobulated, untrained, scattered, crunchy wobbly it takes a lot of effort to become present and like all that's good that i have to offer all that's wise that i have to offer all that's benevolent uh, and beneficial that i have to offer only comes from like deep presence you know mm-hmm. so it ha- it does take a lot of effort you know getting up in the morning cuddling with the boyfriend for a minute and then sitting down to meditate doing the breath doing the prayers and then getting the fitness on uh, drinking water, doing all the things to be able to show up, you know, with deep presence, like with a, a mind that's relaxed, with the body that's energized, with the heart that's open. Um, so thank you for that reflection that mm. the work is working, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that the work is working. Yeah. So I like to start all my shows with kind of talking about how I 
found myself connected to such glorious spirits. And I love our story because we kind of came together um, a little bit in the Chopra universe, like both kind of you have spoken so gorgeously on Chopra stages at retreats. Uh, we were both at the top of the pandemic kind of sharing um, our hearts with the audiences on like lives on Chopra. And one day, like I had been seeing you and I had just been like loving loving you from afar. And then we were on a Zoom call together uh, where it was- Oh, uh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, keep going. It's a good one. And we were like all on these Zoom screens and I was staring at you and you were staring at me. (laughs) (laughs) And then you sent me like a little chat in the screen and I just like started dying. What did you say when you chatted me? I say, oh my God, you're like, I'm melting looking at you. You're giving like icon vibes, something like that. And I was like, you dropped that gorgeous. And and in that very moment, you're like, honey, I was thinking the same exact thing. I was thinking literally the same thing watching you right now. And then after that, it was a wrap. Like it turned immediately into an iconic um, afternoon spent in Venice and many, 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 many more moments like that. Um, so it's been such a joy. But that's something I love about us because I think that we are able to be the fullness of who we are in front of people and greet each other with that much enthusiasm. Um, and that's something that that I think is a really beautiful gift about deep, authentic friendships. Yeah, babe, I got to say, honey, it, I've, I've been quietly watching you and just obsessing over I'm like, if I liked women if ah! i like the seed honey you be it baby you be it i want you to be like the mother of my children honey and ah! you know, praying for me to come back as you next lifetime it's like debbie you are i mean and the love is shared when i when i talk uh talk about you to like my mother and my family everyone's like yeah debbie brown is the fucking shit she's the, the <laughs> iconic legendary and that one time when i was at your house and i facetimed my mom Yes, yes, and uh, you guys and your mom got to meet Quest, my that's son. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, babe, you, you're it. You know, oh, you're it, and oh. I, I mean it. Every, every, with every, every, every part of it. It's like you to be able to be a mother, a teacher, a guide, and and still show up with so much, you know, brightness and. Mm. And, and ease and we laugh so much you know and you look good honey all the fucking time <laughs> I'm like yes honey oh, I love it. you yeah I love you thank you Sa thank of you of course you know earlier this year um, you released your second book Spiritually Sassy, Eight Radical Steps to Activate Your Innate Superpowers. And I love, like, you're you're very much at the forefront of this new spiritual world that's really being unearthed and, and coming in a way that is truly democratized and available to all. And I, I really want to speak to, you know, something that I really connect with in your work. And I, I had a chance to be on your incredible podcast, The Spiritually Sassy Show, and I still get DMs about that every day. Um, but, you know, something we talk to on that is you're such an incredible blend, I think, of deep ancient knowledge. Like you have a very specific path that you've walked in honor to your lineage, the Buddhist lineage. And I think, but you're also so radically present moment connected to now and the deep understanding of really 
the complex layers of humanity. I think we're just stepping into that moment within the spiritual world. You know, spirituality is on trend. It has come to the forefront. Um, For many of us, it's what literally saved our lives. And then I think for others, it is this kind of um, fun dabbling, maybe. You know, spirituality is really having its moment in the sun. And I think it gets a little dangerous in that way because I do think a lot of people are reading one book and then saying, I'm a teacher or I'm a spiritual teacher. And and I'm not taking away from the fact that they may be on the path, but like the deep spiritual work isn't about the marketable offerings, right? It isn't about um, self-grandizing. And I think that's something that we all on this path kind of struggle with. It's like, yeah, I know I need to position myself in a way that people can get this transformative work, but I also don't love the performance aspect of it or the Instagrammable way it's done. Um, But I think that the space that you occupy, I really think you're the intersection of these two worlds meeting. And so it's been really incredible to watch. I think we occupy a very interesting space, especially as we are both really rooted in lineage um, and not just in positivity or in like, let's feel better. It's like, okay, well, let's get, let's get to the deep fibers of God. You know, I think that's kind of how we create a recipe to experience that. Um, And so, (laughs) so I think I'm getting around to say, um, You know, I just want to know, how are you in this moment experiencing your personal relationship with your spiritual journey? Um, I do think that that's something that always evolves for us on this path as we let go and take on. And then also, I'm really curious, how are you experiencing this current movement of spirituality as someone who is definitely connecting powerfully to Gen Z and millennial, uh, millennial audiences, but someone that is also like, ancient. <laughs> I love this. And, you know, there's a story about, about the Buddha that there's a story that I want to share. There was a, a woman, um, a young woman washing clothes on, on a rooftop and he was giving one of his first uh, uh, sermons, you know, he's giving one of his first teachings and the woman had never practiced, had no spiritual context in this lifetime that she was aware of. She heard the words, she heard a few words. And in that very moment, she unlocked everything that was locked inside of her. Mm. She became completely free and completely liberated with just a few words. So I do believe, and the reason why I'm telling this story is because going back to the thing where, where it is very harmful and very, very profoundly dangerous because spirituality is cool now and it is trendy and it is the, yeah. the, the sexy, hot new topic. Like, Breaking generational curses is the hot thing. Oh my it's god! Like, Bitch. Yo. Oh my god! <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like because it's so like, do you more... <laughs> know what that really takes? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what that takes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're looking at something. The reason why I tell that story is because you know my prayer and my wish is that perhaps the the people can read one book and they can go to one meditation retreat and they could sit one time. And my prayer is that there's their, their conditions, the cause and condition are so, are so yeah. ready that it ripes into complete liberation. They oh, can read yeah. one book. They can sit for one meditation. They could listen to one teaching. And all of a sudden it's all of it just unlocked completely. Mm. So 
I, I'm having full body chills. I'm saying this. So I hope that that's the case, right? That their nice. karma, that their karma is so ripe that it would just takes one time for full, wow. full unlocking. It hasn't been the case for me, right? I had to go through so much shit to be, you know, so far from enlightened and have a degree of wisdom that I can educate and inspire other people, right? Um, and, and it's also important to say that I never planned on being a spiritual teacher. It was, it was kind of the thing where I went into spirituality, and you and I shared about this a lot before, and you have spoke about this earlier on. It's We enter into spirituality either out of privilege because we have all of our basic needs are taken care of, so we have the money, we have the house, we have all the things that are working, and then... It's like, what else is there? And then you start to be curious about the matters of the heart. You start to be curious about the unseen world. You start to be curious mm-hmm. about, about the gods and goddess, angelic beings, deities, dharma protectors, dakas, dakinis, all the Buddhas. You start to be curious about the things that you know, you can't see with the eyes on your face, but you experience them. So privilege opens the door for that. And now there's a whole other side of it, which is out of despair, out of desperation, which, which was my case. Um, in your case too, we were we were in this position in our lives that we're desperate, uh, feeling completely inadequate, deficient, broken. I the the overarching theme for me was just feeling like I was an innately bad person, and wow. having that shame monster kind of like guiding, orienting my mind, my words, and my actions. Um, it it was very heavy. So the. Yeah. The sense that I was innately a bad person, then you ended up creating the self-fulfilling prophecy for yourself that you are then, you know, creating every single potential circumstances to validate that feeling that yes. you are innately bad. So then your life becomes oh. becomes a cycle of misery, right? So going going back, I mean, you said so many different things that I just want to sort of like unpack a little bit. So I think um, I think um, when when and then to go back to like another point that you said, like, where am I at with like my spiritual, currently my relationship to my spiritual practice. And um, I, I I go through phases when I become stagnant to my practice, right? Where like I, the routine of the spiritual work, I enter to what we call like sacred boredom. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, okay, sacred boredom is here. All right. And then I navigate that for I a little while, that. you know, I navigate sacred boredom for a little while. Because what happens is when you rid your life, when you eradicate your life, when you delete all the knots that are perpetuating toxicity, perpetuating gossiping, perpetuating lies, mm-hmm. perpetuating um, harm, you know, when you, when you do a great job at weeding the garden of your, of your mind, therefore the garden of your entire life, of all the things that perpetuate harm, um, you reach a point, and there's many layers to this, right? So I'm speaking like in to a degree that I've experienced. You reach a point of sacred boredom, and then you, res- and then you ask the teacher or the guru, in my case, uh, for more instructions so you can go deeper, so you can actually taste the nectar of the sacred boredom, so you can actually learn something from that mm-hmm. space. And then you open to a whole other level of, of all the other ways that you're creating harm for yourself and you're creating harm into the world unintentionally, right? We, 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 we like to think uh, with Buddhist psychology that we're not uh, intentionally causing harm, that it's based on this like amnesia, this like forgetfulness that we, um, that we're, that we forgot who we are. We forgot, you know, um, forgetting who, who the truth of who we are and forgetting how to relate to the world causes so much suffering, right? 
Um, so I just wanted to sort of go around and kind of paint a picture about, uh, you know, where I'm at. So I did get stagnant. I did reach a point of the sacred boredom and then I got a new set of instructions and I'm on it now. It would take me six years to complete these new set of instructions. Um, just continue to deepen, continue to deepen mm. and, and continue to, to, you know, and these practices, what they're doing is they're, they're just showing you your mind. They're showing you the blind spots. They're helping you to like get to know the parts of you that you're still closed off, the parts of you that you're not willing to look at. Um, so that's, that's kind of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, does it? Yeah, it makes beautiful sense. I want it somewhere. I want to sit with you, saw, and I think I know it's so resonant for me, and I know it's so resonant for people listening. Um, you know, when we talked about that initial entry point to spirituality, that feeling of what I've experienced as a profound againstness of self that you don't even know how to begin to dissolve and unravel. You know, I think that feeling, I, I would just like to talk about how it felt potentially for you, for us to even get to the point where we were willing to dive into that shadow self. But then also, I think the part that's not spoken to enough, is it really hard? Hell yes. <laughs> but what makes it simpler is that pretty soon you start to find this common thread, this common theme that can either be one, the karmic patterning that you're meant to see and understand so you know what your mission on earth is so that you can begin to transcend it, or two, to just notice how often you lie to yourself about yourself and don't know where those lies started. And I think, you know, what, what keeps so many from this path is the level of the judgment for self and the fear of people finding out blank supersedes the desire to feel better because if you've never felt it, you don't really even fully believe that it's possible or what that feeling could be like. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, this is so good. <laughs> Can I jump in? Please. I created a piece of content um, that I just said, no one's coming to punish you. No one is coming to punish you. And I just repeated that over and over and over and over mm -hmm. again. And the ripple effect that he had was, was, was wild. And I think because this, this sense, this feeling that we are inadequate, that we are broken, that we are innately bad and undeserving, unloving, we have this sense that someone's coming to find out this, oh. this <laughs> secret about us, this, this, deficiency about us and they're here to out us and show the world look at this person they're so deficient they're so bad they're so inadequate they're so unloving but the truth is we are the ones that are in this constant perpetual you know state of self-punishment you know one of the first times that Dalai Lama came to the United States to speak he says you guys have a, a and I, every every time I speak about my teachers and every time I share a story on a podcast anywhere, you're always going to hear through a sassy filter, right? So I'm always going to be paraphrasing uh, in a way that I that I I can understand the way that my audience and my students can understand, right? So the Lama is like, yo, you guys hate yourself so much here in the West. What's up with this self hatred? Wow. Because in the in the East and in, in that part of the world. Um, 
their their mental poisons uh, show up in different ways, right? We do share the same, you know, mental poisons all all sentient, all human beings. Um, but for us in the West, shows up with this like sense of like complete this desperate need to punish ourselves. And one thing that liberated me was understanding the true meaning of the word forgiveness. Just to release the desire to punish. So if you're saying, I forgive myself, you're saying, I release the desire to punish myself. And at that point, you then stop Ah. thinking that someone's going to come to punish you, you know? And then it goes to the next degree. That's another piece of content that that I created. was like, there's nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. And I'm not speaking to your circumstance. I'm not speaking to your condition. Yes, there's a lot wrong. There's a lot that's potentially wrong there. But the problem is that we feel that there's something innately wrong with us at a core level. And that is just a lie. That is just a a faulty lie that's been permeated into the collective. And we have believed and when we believe that there's something innately wrong with us at the core of our being, then that breeds shame and hate ah. and harm and dysfunction and disharmony. Um, and then we create more of that for ourselves, right? So the the initial the the initial jump into the path is looking at that. It's looking at how do we relate to ourselves. It's looking at like who do I think I am at the core of my being? Have I recognized my basic goodness? Mm. Have I touched basic goodness? Have I experienced the basic goodness at the base of my being? And unless you have glimpsed at that, then you're never capital N. And I have to say, you will never see the benevolence of the goodness out in the world. And you're never going to see the benevolence and goodness in anyone else. That's just how it is, period. We can do a great job at pretending, um, but at some point that pretending culture of good vibes only, of positive only, of like, this is a pretending, co- a culture of pretending. It's not, a, it's not a culture of enlightenment, you know, which is what we're, what, we're, what we're here trying to get people to understand. Yes, your circumstances are fucked up. Yes, your, your, your conditioning is, 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 is troubling and so traumatic. And yes, you've lived a life of so much pain and harm. But none of that has, has, has changed the essence of who you are. None of that has touched the core of who you are. None of it. And we also have to remember that like a, a, a dark cloud can't hurt the sky. Mm. And once we, once we recognize that, that's then we have this spacious awareness. Then we have the, 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 the openness to glimpse of how vast our inner world is and how mm. powerful what we call in the, in the literature is our Buddha nature is, you know, mm. our true, our true nature um, is how, how, how miraculous and untouched it is. It's unfazed. And our work is to, you know, to de-layer, you know, to peel away the layers of conditioning and then to uncover more of that. And the seed is there, right? The seed is never, is mm. never torn but it is our job to develop it. Mm. You know, it is our job to take care of our inner worlds. Like we have to become master botanists. You know, we have to become master gardeners of our inner world. Like we have to every single day go into the garden of our mind and weed out seeds of suffering, seeds of despair, seeds of depression, seeds of anxiety, seeds of addiction, and water the seeds of love, compassion, wisdom, and joy. 
Um, I, I spoke about this today, actually. You can't meditate once a week and expect things to change. You can't eat one healthy meal and expect things to change. You can't exercise once once in a while and expect things to change. Like, But you do a great job at brushing your teeth every day, doing your hair every day, putting on a whole look every day, giving a full fitness to the outside world. But you're you're allowing only what you see in the eyes in, with the eyes in your face to dictate the quality of your life. But you're 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 misinterpreting and you're forgetting that what you can't see with the eyes in your face, your inner world, really is what dictates the quality of your life. Period. So there's a lot there's a lot there that we could that we could uh, talk about. But I think understanding how to relate to our basic goodness is very vital. And I see so much in the world of Instagram wellness, Instagram spirituality, people saying this person's toxic, have these boundaries, protect yourself. And these people are this thing. And those people are that thing. It's like, this is this limited approach. You know, it's, it's keeping us separate. It's keeping us in dualism. It's keeping us in this binary approach. It's keeping us, um, in a perpetual state of, of, of pain, you know, like that. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you really asking me that? Does that make sense? You know, I'm so, I've just been, I've just been so trained with my teachers to always ask every, every time you feel like you finish something to always say, are we, are we communicating? Does that make sense? Are we landing? Are yeah. we arriving somewhere? Because there's so much and I see so often so it's it's par- partially me asking that it's just my conditioning, um, because when we're speaking in large audiences and we ask people, "What is meditation?" Oh, it's it's I meditate when I'm painting. Okay, so you've never meditated before then? Yeah. Oh, what is compassion? Oh, it's 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 that you know it's that love that I have for my children. Oh, so you have never experienced compassion. So it's the reason why I'm always saying, "Yeah, does that make no. sense?" Every communicator we arrive yeah. because it's we have such mis misguided meanings for very profound simple topics that i'm always like girl are we arriving somewhere honey are we landing are we there yet you know that's why no and i'm so grateful for that because i think what's so important too with this work it is checking in and not assuming that people understand what we're talking about and not just as teachers but even in the conversations we have with our families right because everyone's lens of hearing or receiving a message is always peppered with life experience. It's always, you know, I could use, I could use the word love. And for someone else that could have been a word that was weaponized and brings up a completely different feeling or understanding. Right. So no, I'm grateful for that. But I think really when, when you asked me that question, I was also like, I just ate a feast I need a second. <laughs> that was such a glorious feast, Saw. It was such a glorious feast, truly. And I think, you know, it really, it really hits, it really hits the nail on the head, I think, of how I, I'd at least really hope and desire for people to begin to explore themselves. You know, um, I think for us, and this is something that we speak to, and this is not at all a judgment of anybody that's led to do anything because everything is in divine time and in divine order. And so, you know, I think there is still lots of purpose. Everything is yin and yang, right? So there is like the pieces we resonate with and the pieces that we don't. No industry alive is devoid of that. No no person, no family structure. Um, but something we do speak to, it, it is that I, you know, I worry because I think that 
I think pe- I think there is some weaponizing of spirituality that in fact is spiritual narcissism and spiritual bypassing. And I think a lot of people are performatively regurgitating information they've heard. The embodiment stage is so important. Everyone has to experience it. Now, that may not be in alignment with how quickly you'd like to make money in this space or how quickly you'd like to prepare, you know, potentially some coursework or some, you know, different Don't offerings. Do Don't do it. Yeah. Don't it, do it. Because you're also messing with your karma. You're also really messing with your karma if you are entering other people's minds and heart spaces and are not fully equipped to do so. And there's no shame in it. And it's okay. It comes. But you have to embody your own healing to even understand how the healing works so that you can extend it to others. You know, and even healing has been so like appropriated, like that word. It's like, you know, healing isn't just saying like, yes, I've healed that or, you know, yeah, I'm in forgiveness. Like healing that truly, if we're going to go there, let's go deep for a second. Let's go. <laughs> when I heal some of my greatest trauma, I have restructured my cells. <laughs> I have redesigned myself energetically, physically, biologically, as well as in the ethers, as well as as it relates to my karma and my course curriculum as a soul that is not attached to a body. But then I've also healed the body. And so that doesn't happen after reading one book. Potentially it could. Listen, there are, you know, there are a few. Yes. But, you know, one in seven billion potentially. But, you know, and so I think that is part of the grace that we extend to ourselves too, knowing that every layer that we're able to access in ourselves through our practice, there's also opportunity to deepen it. I've revisited healing recently around certain ages that I thought I was fully integrated with because I started working on it 10 years ago. And I was for the versions of myself that I've been thus far. This new Devi, it requires something else. So there was little small refinements that came on that same lesson. There were new interpretations based on who I am now that further inform who I'm able to be in the world and how I'm able to teach. And so, you know, it's just at least the way that I'm experiencing. um, I think we kind of started this beautiful piece really in understanding that the grandest barrier to our own healing is our own againstness of ourselves. That's right. But then it's it's still, even as you're healing, knowing that there is always opportunity to deepen it. There is all, like the amount of layers that we can comb through on the same subject are endless. They're bountiful. Um, and so surrendering to that as part of the journey is where the gift is. But if we're so consumed with our ego identification, with how together we are, how healed we are, even how much spiritual knowledge we have, if you could be practicing this work for 50 years and there's still more places for you to go with it, there's still more to be learned. There's still new opportunities to transform even the smallest pieces because if there weren't, you would not be occupying space on earth right now. Mm-hmm. If there's tension in the mind and if there's tension in the body, there's work to do. Mm. You know, just like use that as your guiding force, as your orientation. You know, if there is any sort of tension in the mind or in the body, there's work to be done. There's mm-hmm. liberation to be had. There's revelations to be experienced, you know? So think about it like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when there's tension, there's attachment. 
And when there's attachment, there's aversion. And when there's aversion, there's ignorance. So you're looking at the poisons, right? Attachment, mm. aversion, and ignorance, the root cause of all of our suffering. Um, so when we're looking at the, at the, the sort of like trifecta of poison, it, it, the way for you to realize wow. if you still have ignorance inside of you, if you still have attachment inside of you, if you still have aversion inside of you, and I know attachment is is in in the in the uh, psychological the modern psychological uh, space, it's used as sometimes as a healthy thing. I have a you know healthy attachment, but it, according to the Buddha, who I believe is one of the first psychologists psychoanalysts, um, attachment is this insatiable thirst. You know, it's this like insatiable craving, this desperate need to change our experiences, this um, this sense of dissatisfaction that's always pervasive. You know, if there is that, there's work to be done, you know. Um, so gauging, there's tension in the mind, tension about it, then there's still ignorance, there's still attachment, there's still aversion. Um, so just when you're thinking about attachment, mm-hmm. if you want to use the word that the Buddha used, we're looking at this like, pervasive sense gratification we are we're misinterpreting a sugar rush for genuine happiness you know mm-hmm. so we have to just keep thinking about it like that um i have so much attachment i have so much aversion i have so much ignorance to go and what i do have now is a it's a, a quick way back into the center that's what i have it's i i don't dwell in either extremes attachment Meaning I need this cake and I need to eat the entire cake or aversion. Get this person away from me. They're the sole cause of my misery. Push that person far, far, far away from me. Um, I I don't go into those extremes for too long. That's what I have now. You know, it's sometimes it's a couple hours. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it's literally one breath and I'm back in my center. Um, Mm. And, and you know, there's, I, there was a maybe a couple of years that I spent with suicidal depression, still deep in my practice, still going into ashrams and monasteries and seeing the gurus and practicing, practicing, practicing. Become I became like a ceaseless prayer, you know. And that's how it sort of like erupted the next stage of my evolution. That's how I really found my center. But I did spend a couple of years, uh, profoundly dark years, where suicidal thoughts were like every third thought was like, "There's no point, just." Just do it. Just go and planning and that kind of um, uh, thinking. But now it's not there anymore. Even when those thoughts do visit, even when there is um, something really traumatic happening in our in my in my inner world in my external world, um, I'm I have the ability to find my center. Yeah, that okay. Hold on, we sit in here because that is. <sighs> Hold that thought. We are coming right back. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations 
questions that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That is so beyond powerful and I think so resonant for so many. What does that... I'd be grateful for any deeper insight saw into how you held space for yourself in that way while navigating truly, um, you know, some of the darkest emotions that are available to us in human form, but also still being active in your present, like those are in your practice, excuse me, those are such opposite ends of the spectrum or maybe not, you know? So just any, any thoughts on the way that you experienced a container that complex? There's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of layers, right? So I'm going to try to just kind of like go piece by piece and maybe I'll cover you know, ground enough that people are going to be like, oh shit, that's juicy. I can use that. Um, first, when you're experiencing suicidal ideation, you have to recognize it's not your whole self that wants to die. It's a part mm -hmm. of you that's ready to die. The problem is we're holding on to an identity. We're holding on to a past version of ourselves and we can't hold on to the past. You know, leaves fall off the tree and the tree's not reaching down, trying to hold on to the leaves that are falling. That's what we're doing. You know, that's what causes so much pain. We're not moving with the transient nature of life. We're not moving with the changing nature of all of life. That causes a lot of imbalance in the mind and in the body, right? Mm 
Um, so suicidal ideation at its core, it's, it's you, it's, it's actually a, a revelatory, liberatory process because you're, recognize, you're in full recognition that some part of you is ready to die. So it's, it's being anointed by death, which is, opens you up to, to realize how holy and how miraculous and how grand and powerful you really are. So we have that as a context foundation, right? Then we have to use the power of self-soothing, of, 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 of comforting ourselves, of becoming our own best friend. So one thing, a, a mantra that I use is I make peace with this feeling. I make peace with this feeling. And um, it's worked wonders for me. It's literally been like a magic pill. And I, there's, there's usually, I, you never hear me say there's a magic pill because there's like a, a, a multiplicity of, 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 of things that have to come to, into synergy, into congruency in order for unlocking to happen. But the, the simple set of words, I make peace with this feeling, opens a door for, for that feeling to die, for that feeling to move, for something else to come up, right? You, when you say I make peace with this feeling, you're, 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 you're putting your finger on the pulse of everyone who I love and everyone who I don't love will be born, will die, and will be reborn again, right? This, this sort of cycle of life, death, and rebirth. When you're saying I make peace with this feeling, you're, you're, you're coming in close contact. You're intimately experiencing the transient nature of all of life, right? Because you're saying, okay, thank you. You came. You taught me a lesson. I've learned the lesson. I've integrated the lesson now. Thank you very much. Be well now. So I make peace with this, with this feeling, opens the door for that. And I usually put like right hand over my chest, left hand over my belly, or both hands over my heart, whatever. You know, sometimes it's, it's in my throat, in my back. Wherever you are experiencing this intense sensation, this feeling, go there. And then the next stage is to, is to do your best effort to start to dismantle the feelings the emotions from the stories, like drop the story, be with the feeling, drop the story, be with the feeling. And I believe I learned this from Pema Chodron. Uh, Pema is an impeccable Buddhist teacher. Um, I believe I learned that from her. I, I'm not sure exactly. This is very big in Buddhist psych psychology to dismantle, right? Because in, in Buddhist psychology, what some of the literature says that feelings arise first and then thoughts claim the meaning of that feeling. And then we speak or we, and we act, right? So one thing that the, I heard a story about the Buddha, that one of the things that, that he noticed when he became fully enlightened is that he could see thoughts before they manifest. How wonderful would that be, you know, to be able to see a motherfucker turning the corner before it hits you, you know what I mean? <laughs> like that. So thinking about it like that, you know, so dismantling uh, feelings from thoughts, right? Because the feeling that sensation in the body, um, oftentimes we have a hardwired story associated to that. Even years after I had transformed my mind and liberated myself from suicidal ideation, when I had that buzzing, yucky anxiety in my belly, there were still a few times that the initial story would be, oh, suicidal thoughts, oh, mm -hmm. that, this feeling is this, this narrative. This feeling is associated with this story. So what I want you to do is I want you to... Um, Relearn how to breathe in such a way, like, and I say relearn is go instead of breathing 12 to 16 times per minute, which is the ordinarily anxious, depressed breath, which is very clavicular, very short and shallow breath, and enter to the healing breath, which is four to six times per minute, which is the very deep abdominal belly breath, right? 
relearn how to breathe so much so that when an intense feeling arises, you have enough, what we say is equanimity, right? Uh, psychological stability to be with the feeling and not get taken by the stories associated with it. Mm. Um, and the only way for you to create the container, your inner working station, your inner container for you to be able to do that is accessing a, a healing breath. That's how I've seen to work. Um, so, and then, I mean, so we're looking at being anointed by death. We're looking at um, making making peace with the, with the feeling. I make peace with this feeling. Then we're looking at dismantling feelings with the narrative. Um, these are some of the ways that have really helped me to, to dismantle um, how I relate to, to challenging feelings. Mm-hmm. And this is a way that I started to, to change how I relate to, um, to the idea that certain feelings are okay to have and certain feelings are not. You know, these are good feelings, these are bad feelings. And then I entered to this next stage of my evolution where like all feelings are welcome. It's, re- it's really what I make out of it, you know. And then we recognize that we, it's because of our condition, because of our past pain and, and, and all of our karma, we're attaching certain meaning to certain experiences, right? Um, and it's very interesting when you study trauma and you work with, with uh, poly trauma survivors, right? Some people have had the most horrific experiences. And these motherfuckers are thriving. Mm-hmm. Someone might say that that one thing that, that happened to them is a, a hundred, it's a 50 weight or a hundred weight. And for that person who's had a poly trauma, multiple traumas happened to them. You know, so it's all relative. What I'm speaking yeah. to, it's like, it's yeah. really like the meaning that you give is based on the depth of your liberation, you know? So thinking about it like that. Um, and I know it's kind of black and white and I don't like to give black and white teachers, but sometimes you really have to sort of like enter into that space and be like, okay, I'm associating negative, destructive, harmful meaning to every single circumstance in my life, to every single feeling, to every single thought, to every single thing. And I'm, and you're telling everybody else in yourself that you're doing the work. I'm going to challenge you and say, babe, if you're associating these harmful meanings to every single thing in in your internal, internal life and external life as bad, harmful, destructive, then you got to pivot your inner life, your inner work needs a change. And what I always tell people is like, focus on the simplicity, focus on repetitive of simple practice, you know, Mm -hmm. repetition of simplicity leads to liberation. Coming back to that, right? Coming back to that repetition of simplicity leads to liberation. So if I'm, if any of these things that I offer you today, they land, do them consistently for a few years. Don't try to go to another podcast, to another book, to another this or that. It's stop approaching healing through a consumeristic, capitalistic approach. Like, you know, when I used to work in fashion, I, I used to like literally go every season, clean up the whole closet. And I have to go and get a whole new thing and get a whole new season, get a whole new wardrobe and get a whole new, you know, there was no, I couldn't work with the same tools in every single season. But in the spiritual work, we have to recognize that there's a set of simple practices that work for us in every season. And certain seasons, the way these simple practices will work for you will give you more. They will open you up to deeper and deeper states of awakening because those seasons are lighter um, and there's more blossoming. There's a bigger harvest. Some seasons are darker and more intense and more challenging and there's not as much blossoming. 
That doesn't mean that these simple practices are not working. It just means you got to ride the wave. You know, nothing blooms all year. But the simplicity of the practice, what I need people to recognize, if there's anything that I teach today that lands for people, focus on simplicity. And it may be like, Sa, what are, who are you saying that when you, are, when you study Vajrayana, which is such a complex, mystical, you know, a tradition that's so much richer. There's so many, you know, bells and whistles and so many layers to it. Yeah, I didn't start there. I didn't start there. You know what I mean? I started with Zen. I, I moved. I started with, with just the breath, just the concentration technique. Just, you know, it, it's the simplicity to then build. Then you build. That's, that's, that's really, I think, thinking about the container to liberation in, in very dark seasons, very challenging seasons. Um, simplicity, but consistency. Stop being consistent to your pain narrative. Be consistent to uncovering your truth, you know? Um, I think we see so much in the world today, and I, I, I applaud it. I think it's brave that people are using, they are approaching their pain narratives and their uh, mental health issues um, from a brave perspective. What, is, what, what do I mean by that? That they're speaking about it, so very brave. And then there is... There is the spiritual component that has to come into the picture. There is the stop over the identifying with your depression. Stop mm -hmm. over the identifying with your addiction. Stop over the identifying with your anxiety. Yes, a part of me is experiencing depression. A part of me is anxious. A part of me is addicted. But that part of you isn't the whole of who you are. And wow. then always remember that. Always remember that, right? You know, like it's, it's a part of me. It's not the whole of who I am. Like that. Like that. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I love you, honey. I love you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was, um, hmm. Girl, you let me speak, honey. She goes off. She goes off, honey. <laughs> Over here. <laughs> it was just so masterful. So masterful. So beautiful what you shared. So tangible. I feel that everything that you just said could be smelled, tasted, seen, felt. Um, and I think I'm just kind of, I can't help myself. My body just responds by closing my eyes. You guys can't hear me listening, but I had my eyes closed for like 10 minutes. Um, but that's how I, I connect and I hear God. And it just, you know, saw, I think that... I think everything you just shared, shared perfectly expressed uh, why you are who you are, why you are where you are, and how necessary, how beautifully necessary your mind, your heart, your work are to this world. Thank you, beloved. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can I share a little something? Please. <clears throat> that we didn't get to talk about when you mentioned the book. Spiritually Sassy was born out of a desperate need to show that the spiritual path, that the path of liberation doesn't need to be rooted on zombie zen, mm. this forced seriousness. You know, someone makes a beautiful joke and you're like, mm -hmm. someone plays mm -hmm. beautiful music mm -hmm. and you just kind of move you know, like very lightly, you don't really enjoy the beach. You don't allow your body to be moved by it. Someone 
speaks beautiful poetry into the world and you don't really allow yourself to be moved. Um, mm -hmm. And you think that dressing in that way and speaking in, the, in, in, in a certain way and, and looking spiritual and speaking spiritual and eating spiritual and, and, and you know, you're, you're utilizing this, this, um, this facade, um, which I call zombie Zen, which I was for a while. If you saw me in India a few years ago, girl, I was that. You know, wearing all white with the, all the mala beads, with all the crystals, you know, bare feet, like the whole thing. I was giving the whole look. Bevy Brown would walk by and I could, I wouldn't give her a compliment. I would just be like, mm -hmm. but now I see that I'm like, bitch, you're a fucking legend. Iconic, delicious. You're seducing the gods. You're changing the paradigm. You're literally giving life to the world. I will never stop myself from, from offering poetry, from offering compliment in that way you know um, but i was i was so caught up in what i had believed a spiritual seeker should look like should sound like and because that's what i that's what i was like normalizing the space right look look this way speak that way eat this way just fit the mold of this zombie zen and there's nothing wrong with that um, and if you're looking for something else if you're looking for a home that you haven't found out there before. Maybe spiritual assassin is for you, you know? Um, and, and so that's kind of like the the dismantling that this zombie Zen is, you know, the more zombie Zen you are, the more spiritually liberated you are. I'm on the other side saying the bigger your smile is, you know, the more your presence radiates joy, the more you emanate creativity and curiosity and, and beauty the more liberated you are. Um, so, but, and then there's, you know, there's a little bit of a gray area, like a muddy area with this. People think that it's about then looking great. Yes, look great. Give a fantasy, you know, put on a fantasy to the world. That's beautiful. But, but make sure that your inner world matches that. Make sure that your inner world is in congruency uh, with what you're putting out into the world. So spiritually sassy is about, you know, feeling great, um, looking great, and most importantly, doing great. Like understanding that the whole purpose of the path is to become more altruistic, you know, is to really understand that happiness is not, in what I shared earlier, in the, in the um, sense gratifications. Happiness is not about pleasing our sense, about seeing nice things, hearing nice things, tasting nice things, um, smelling nice things, feeling nice things, thinking that it's not about that. It's not about quenching the thirst of our senses, right? Happiness is about serving others. Genuine happiness only arrives at the base of your being in service to others, period. People don't want to hear that. They want to hear that the, they want to hear other things. But when you're studying the ancient scriptures, um, especially in my lineage, right? In Buddhism, you, you, come to a, you come to a halt, you come to a corner where you do enough inner work you, you transform your mind enough, you energize your body enough, you open your heart enough, and then you, you reach this point that the only way for you to take your, your transformation to the next degree and for you to really ex experience this blissful nature that we are, it's only in serving others. It's only in sharing with others what you've learned, being in service to others, you find the missing pieces to your healing. It's that missing piece to your puzzle, to your healing puzzle that you haven't been, we haven't been able to find anywhere. You will find God in service. You will find that peace in service. 
So don't don't hold back. You know, I say to people all the time, if you're running over uh, on, on your street, walking to reach, to get to Devi's meditation class, um, you know, or to get to Devi's uh, talk, I, I guarantee you that Devi won't be happy that you didn't stop to give a blessing to the homeless person on the street. Mm. You know, she would rather you stop and be 20 minutes late to her class because you said I'm late because I was, I was, I was developing my altruistic tendencies. I was de- developing my saintliness and then show up to the class. And then you may miss, you may miss half of the class, but I guarantee that whatever you heard, it will, it will be, you would actually be listening through the sound of love. You would actually be seen through the eyes of love. So it's just a different kind of, it's just a different kind of a, depth of liberation, right? Um, uh, there is a level of selfishness that we have to demand our happiness. We have to demand our liberation. We have to demand our liberation. So that means you do have to take time to be in alignment, right? And then the next stage is all about service. And mm-hmm. people ask me about what is what is what does it mean to be in balance? And I say, balance means that you have mastered how to take care of others while taking care of yourself. So this beautiful dance of serving others and serving yourself, right? And that is where genuine happiness uh, will fully blossom. And then you're going to look at the garden of your of your mind and be like, holy fuck, look at all these beautiful, amazing fruit trees that I get to sit around and eat all day now. So that's the work, right? That's the work. Um, so like that. Oh, like that. <laughs> I like that. Oh, yeah. No big deal. No big deal. Just a roadmap to your higher consciousness and your complete and total return to wholeness. No biggie. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, that was exquisite, uh, Sa. That was exquisite. And I think, you know, you're just someone who you have such a God-given commanding presence and such a way of being. Um yeah, I just see God all in and through you when I look at you, when I'm able to feast upon you, when I'm able to be blessed by your words and your existence. Thank you so much for that depth of knowledge and just the way that you so beautifully make it glimpseable, tasteable, I think, for everyone on their road, on their journey, wherever they find themselves. Like you are such a such a powerful presence on earth oh my god girl stop it you're grateful for your life stop it oh my god stop it i love you part of the journey is receiving right right. don't turn yourself off from receiving it's an energetic exchange you give so much and you are deserving of all the beautiful words that exist in all the books thank you 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 you're such an epic being, Saw. I love you endlessly. To I know that you have a packed schedule, but I know there will be a part two. And I want to tease everybody, give you a little taste tease um, that I will be doing a masterclass with Saw and his incredible spiritually sassy community, um, depending on when you hear this episode. Uh, I'm not sure how close to or if it's past, but uh, stay tuned, I would say, to Saw's Instagram, to Saw's website. You have an incredible community that people can join that is doing big work. Uh, I felt really blessed to be a guest on your podcast that was connected with your community. I've been receiving 
so much love from your tribe uh, from that episode that has felt really special. So I want everyone to know Spiritually Sassy School, that is how you can connect deeply with Saw and his work. And there is such a gorgeous structure in being able to get his work, be supported within it, and really just this expansive opportunity to return home and to be inside of the deepest part of you that you possibly can. So Spiritually Sassy School is how you can tangibly connect to Saw and his work. It is a gorgeous membership platform. And you can also enjoy him and savor him on his Instagram, <laughs> Sadie Simone, and on his epic multi-million follower TikTok page, Sadi Simone, where he is literally moving his body for the gods. Oh, shit, honey. You're so delicious. And I just want to reflect something to you. Your presence changes the psychological temperature of every room that you're in. And that is a profound gift that you offer everybody. Anytime I'm in your presence, it really like, it relaxes every tension that I may be having. Every knot is untied, is undone. Like you offer that. And, and presence, with your presence, and also with the tone of your voice. Mm. It's just like, holy fucking shit. You, bitch, you are luck, honey. You're full fantasy. You're literally the full fantasy. So I love you so much. I receive, I receive wide open for all of that. Thank you for seeing me, Saw. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for being with me in this life. We both embodied here at the same time. What a gift to know each other. Truly. Oh my God, I love you. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And remember to connect to your basic goodness. Remember that. Whatever thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations, circumstances you're experiencing, they do not dictate who you are at the base of your being. Period. Mm. I love you. I love you. Everyone, thank you for listening. Join us next week. Namaste. Namaste. Hey, find me on social. Let's connect. At Debbie Brown, that's Twitter and Instagram, or go to my website, DebbieBrown.com. And if you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And send this episode to a friend. Dropping Gems is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. It's produced by Tribble and me, Debbie Brown. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.